1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your Buffalo Bills podcasts. We at Believe are so happy you took the time to download us, to listen to us wherever you are. Uh, My name is John Bacassino, being joined, of course, by Jamie D'Amico, my longtime running mate here on the pod. Jamie, great to have you back as we uh, you know, we're sitting here, it's, it's a football seems so far away, but they're really, we're trying to make things interesting for Bills fans uh, with the content here on Believe during the offseason.
2: Well, here's the thing. By reviewing position groups, it gives us an understanding of where we need to go going forward, because you can't know what needs to happen in the offseason regarding personnel changes without knowing what happened this past season. So we're getting listeners ready for that.
1: Amen. It's a great situation for us to be in because we now have the clarity that comes uh, with 2020 being in the rearview mirror. We have sample sizes of the games to study. We have the film to look at. We have the stats to break down. And I know personally, Jamie, I really enjoyed the deep dive we did on the quarterback room last week. Uh, Of course, it was probably... The most fun to talk about because A, it's the most important position on the field. B, you have as many as 18 teams uh, playing quarterback roulette this offseason. And C, for the first time in a long time, the Bills are not one of those teams looking to make a change or assess what they have at the quarterback spot, which made for some pretty compelling and fun podcast content. And I feel like for those same reasons that this week's one should still be one that Bills fans care a lot about, if only for this, we know the Bills. So we're talking here on Believe State of the Buffalo Bills, and we're tackling the running back room. Now, this is not your father's or your grandfather's NFL, where teams ran the ball to win championships and they ran first and they passed second, but. As much as Bills fans are delighted by the passing game and the aerial treat that Josh Allen and the vertical offense happens to be, the Bills have had one common theme this entire offseason since losing to the Chiefs and really during the regular season, too, but it's come out more so since the season ended. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, anybody who will listen has said essentially the Buffalo Bills have to get better at running the football. Jamie, that's where we start here with our state of the Bills running backs rooms. I assume uh, you're, you're on board with this. What is your, before we go into the backs themselves, what is your thought on the Bills running the ball and, and, and whether that's something that they really should concern themselves with moving forward, getting better?
2: Well, you know, when we were talking about the quarterback position, it was probably... I mean, we probably gushed a little bit more than we should have, but then again, it was probably the most dominant single season effort we've seen from any position on the Buffalo Bills roster in twenty five years i mean let's Let's face facts I mean, the last time somebody was that good was probably Bryce Pop when he had almost twenty sacks in a season so the thing about the running back position is it complements the quarterback position in that it takes pressure off of it. And I don't think we are going to see peak Josh Allen until we see peak running game from the Buffalo Bills. Now, running game is a big term, right? It's more than just running backs. There's there's blocking, there's schemes, there's play calling and all the rest of it. But if we can see the best of the Bills running backs, we will all of a sudden see the best of Josh Allen. He could have, we, we could see a better Josh Allen going forward if Brandon Bean does what he says he needs to do and help the team improve the running game. Can, can you even imagine that?
1: It's a scary proposition for the rest of the NFL. If if the Bills are able, yeah, to improve their offense by having a more consistent running back threat. When you look at the AFC divisional playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens, the Bills are hosting that game. The winds are swirling at Bill's stadium. And I was expecting the Bills to try to do more with the ground game. And I think they called two design run plays, maybe three in the first half. One was a kneel down and one was a Josh Allen scamper. I mean, as much as the NFL has gone towards passing and vertical, uh, the vertical threat the running game needs to be bolstered and, and here's why. And I feel like it, it definitely will help Josh Allen's development, but you there's so many situations where you need to have uh, clock management. You need to be able to, whether it's the debilitating nature of keeping a defense on the field for a 12 minute uh, drive as you're marching downfield for a touchdown and you're chewing up clock. And again, whether it's the running game or it's pass catching out of the backfield you know, that's a valuable weapon to both keep your offense on the field and wear down an opposing defense. It's also necessary to close out games. You know, you just, you need to be able to have that where you're up by four, three and a half minutes to go. You can chew up all of the team's timeouts and the remaining clock by getting four, five, six yards a gain uh, every time you run the ball. And, and the Bills did not have that ability to, In 2020. Now, the numbers, Jamie, I I gotta say, I was completely baffled and deceived by the lack of success that Buffalo had in 2020. I kept waiting for this running back unit to get going. And on the surface, the running backs that the, the the stats that the Bills running backs put forth were not abysmal. You know, for for the second best offense in the NFL, of course, buoyed by the passing game, you know, the Bills ranked 20th in rushing yards. In yards per rush on the season and they were 17th in total rushing attempts all told Devin Singletary in his second season out of Florida Atlantic led this group 687 yards averaging 4.4 yards a carry rookie Zach Moss a third rounder out of Utah 481 rushing yards 4.3 yards per attempt now on the surface If your back is getting 4.3 and 4.4 yards per rush, you think to yourself, huh, that's not bad. I will gladly sign up, you know, for getting four plus yards per run. But Jamie, I feel like those are some of the most deceptive stats out there when it comes to the running backs, because it's it seemed like no matter how hard the Bills tried to get the ground game going, they never Really got into a rhythm. You know, Singletary seemed to take some steps backwards uh, this year in his second year. Zach Moss, I know he had an injury that we'll talk about that derailed him. I actually think he came back a much better back after suffering that injury uh, in week two. But I don't know. It seems like it was a very misleading stat when you look at these backs of getting 4.4 and 4.3 yards per rush.
2: Well, you know, four yards a carry is good. However, that those four yards didn't happen consistently. And that's really the the big issue that we had with the running game is they weren't running the ball well when they needed to. Um, sometimes they did. Sometimes to ice games at the end, you would see Zach Moss come in and uh, or Devin Singletary would come in. And that was usually at the point in the game when the other team was dispirited and the Bills were... More or less running out the clock. Unfortunately, it didn't seem like those 4.3, 4.4 yards per carry were put to use with any sort of regularity. So the consistency with which they were running the ball was it was it was lacking. I, I can't think of a, a better way of putting it. Now there is a stat that I'm really itching to throw at you here. Now this sort of Takes a little bit of the onus off of the running backs themselves. Moss averaged 2.4 yards after first contact. Devin Singletary averaged 2.9 yards after initial contact. So two and a half and three yards after they were hit for the first time. And then they came back and averaged 4.3 and 4.4 yards per carry. That tells me. That these running backs are actually doing pretty well when you start looking at the advanced statistics. It's that there were other issues that may have held back the running game. Individually, though, I think we learned a lot about these running backs over the course of the season, such as Devin Singletary, Moss, and how the coaching staff views them? Yeah.
1: I'm the, um, Jamie. I'm so glad you brought up <clears throat> the yards after contact. We we're we're trying to uh, for our bills fans out here. We're trying to focus on the running back room without directly going into the offensive line woes, but it's hard. You, it's impossible to separate the two because the backs are, you know, can only do so much, you know, given the space that they have to work with and, you know, the offensive line, we know that's a, a major concern. We talked about that during our over offseason overview where that was the biggest pressing concern uh, for the offense is bolstering the line. There's a lot of turnover and we'll get into the offensive line breakdowns in our podcast in a couple of weeks about that unit. But the offensive line underperformed in 2020. And when it comes to the ground game, there's no doubt about it. The Bills use seven different combinations in the trenches, and regardless of who was there, you're right. Most of the backs were getting met in the backfield and having to turn a a three-yard loss into a three-yard gain or turning a a stuff at the line of scrimmage into a five-yard gain. Those were the types of plays that the Bills' backs had to make on a consistent basis, and when you look at it, Jamie, uh, as much as I'm impressed with You know, Devin Singletary, 2.9 yards after contact, and Zach Moss, 2.4 yards after contact. Those are, it really does show the fact that they were able to, again, be persistent in their runs and turn something out of nothing. But there, there, there's another side to that stat too, Jamie. The Bills had the fourth highest percentage of runs that were stuffed meaning they gain zero or negative yards. That's one every 10 attempts. Now, I'm no mathematician, but when 10% of your plays lead to zero or negative yardage, I mean, that's got to be an onus on both the backs and the offensive line. And and when I say that, I really thought Singletary was going to be more elusive than he was in 2020. Maybe it was a burnout because, you know, I mean, not everyone's going to be Barry Sanders who can turn a six-yard loss into something every single time. That grinds on you. The fact of having to create when there's nothing in front of you has got to be a taxing effect on a back.
2: I would think so. And there's something else to take a look at here, which is the Bills skipped, well, skipped, switched to a predominantly zone-blocking scheme in front of the running backs, which was a a major departure from the season before in which they ran a gap-blocking scheme. And for those of you who are, are unfamiliar, zone and gap-blocking are, are different from each other in that zone-blocking basically means that the offensive line takes off at a 45-degree angle, and if somebody's in front of them, they block them. Uh, Whereas a zone blocking scheme means that the offensive linemen have to open up specific gaps within the line of scrimmage. And then usually uh, another offensive lineman will pull from their position and run into that gap to block any players who are then coming into that. Now, one of the major issues I think Devin Singletary had was the switch from the zone blocking scheme or from the gap blocking scheme to the zone blocking scheme. I don't think that that is his strong suit. Um, Zach Moss is far more suited for a zone blocking scheme because that's the kind of player where, you know, it's the one cut and go the, the plant your foot and get up field style running back. And Zach Moss is more of that. Devin Singletary. He's got, uh, He's got a little more boogie in his step, and he's a guy who doesn't hit his top gear very quickly. So, you know, that plant-the-foot, get-up field, that's that's not going to be what Devin Singletary does best. And I, I think you saw that because if you think back to his rookie season, There were these plays that would occur, and they were a thing of beauty, which would be Devin Singletary pulling around the outside of the line with Mitch Morris lead blocking for him. And you would see those two getting out there with all this room to run, and you would think to yourself, this is going to be a 10, 15-yard gain. And inevitably, it would be. Um, We just didn't see that, and we saw what some of Devin Singletary's what what some of his shortcomings were, and namely, he doesn't have the explosion that I think you want from a starting running back.
1: And that's a really important. You hit on a couple of really important points there, Jamie. I give you a lot of credit for dropping in the switching of the the, the blocking schemes, the the running attack uh, that the Buffalo Bills employed, and how uh, switching up their their schematics really affected you know Devin Singletary as a, as a group. The Bills' running backs, uh, not named Josh Allen, uh, and Josh Allen's—you know—the fact that <laughs> the fact that the Bills were twentieth in rushing yards and average per carry, Josh Allen gets a lot of credit for that with his 421 yards. You take away those, and the Bills were 25th in the league in yards gained by running backs, of course, including Antonio Williams' phenomenal performance in the second half against the Dolphins. But the big play ability that you mentioned there last year. And by big play, I'm only using the terms 10 yards or more with a rush. Yards of 10, gains of 10 yards or more in 2020, Singletary and Moss had 33 of them total, or basically two 10 yard outbursts per game. And that's just not going to cut it when it comes to that running game and the explosiveness. And I don't necessarily, other than the zone scheme switch up, It's hard to really justify how Singletary lost half a yard per carry from 5.4 his rookie season to 4.9 yards per touch uh, in 2020. To me, it symbolizes that, you know, the how many times, Jamie, did we talk on the podcast where you know besides saying we were waiting for the ground game to come out of its shell? We started thinking Zach Moss has overtaken Singletary at the top of the running back depth chart. Just because he is more explosive and seemed to have better cutback ability and better vision, uh, he can be a bruiser who is also nimble uh, with finding the hole.
2: Uh, You know, it, it seemed like he was more cut out for what they were doing this year. Now, I do want to point out that Devin Singletary showed unbelievable improvement in his ability to block. That was a major liability in his game, his rookie season. He was actually very good at it uh, in in year number two. And I think that may have been what kept Zach Moss from overtaking him in the lineup, is that the Bills really trusted Devin Singletary as a blocker this season. And also, there was that game against the 49ers with the botched handoff between Josh Allen and Zach Moss. And... (laughs) Sean McDermott came out and said, well, yeah, we took him out of the game. He he didn't play the rest of the game. He learned a tough lesson today. And that was, if I'm not mistaken, that happened in the first quarter of the game inside the 10-yard line, the Bills' own 10-yard line. It led directly to points. And it looked like single or uh, Zach Moss closed his hands too soon in, in taking the, the handoff tough lesson, especially for a rookie, because a lot of times you see a, a young player, they make a mistake like that. They end up back in the game right away. And the coach pats him on the back and says, hey, we still believe in you. In this case, it was Sean McDermott saying, you're sitting where you are not going to see the field the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, that was a valuable lesson for, for Moss to learn. It's really unfortunate that he didn't get a chance to finish out The season, he got hurt during the Colts game. He missed all, of course, the Ravens and the Chiefs game. And the Bills really became even more one-dimensional down the stretch. I want to, Jamie, we've brought up a lot of points here so far in the running back conversation. I want to take some time and solely go through the backs and the pros and the cons that they bring to the team. And we've done this a little bit so far. But I want to start off with the man who really was expected to shoulder the load in 2020. And that's Devin Singletary. The second-year player out of Florida Atlantic, uh, who we all expected great things for in this 2020 season, he—you mentioned the blocking, and he has definitely become someone who has been a, a valuable asset when it comes to pass protection and blocking for Josh. Because you know, whether people know this or not, Josh makes it very difficult on his running backs to succeed in pass protection because he hangs on to the ball for so mm-hmm. long. But you got to give a lot of credit to Devin for he he hangs tough. He always makes sure that as much as he can, he's in the right place to get that free rusher, that blitzer coming up the middle or off the edge. And he's good enough to really st- uh, slow down or halt that defender before they're able to make contact and disrupt You know, Josh Allen. His, pass, uh, his blitz pickup, rather, was the biggest improvement. I want to give a lot of credit, too, to his ball security because I mm-hmm. believe... I believe Devin had one fumble in 220 touches last year compared to four fumbles in 200 touches his rookie year. I know that's not a major difference on the surface of it, but if you're talking about roughly the same amount of touches and three less times putting the ball on the turf, to me, that's a really big improvement for a back who, like you mentioned with Zach Moss, with with Sean McDermott, when you turn the ball over, he pays attention and he's going to distribute carries based on the back that he trusts the most. So Devin's improvement in ball security, that was a good sign for 2020.
2: To put it in perspective, in Singletary's rookie season, he actually was worst in the league in fumble percentage. But by removing three additional fumbles, he was no longer in that conversation. And I mean, seriously, once you get a reputation as a fumbler, every single player on the defense is going for the ball in every place so it it only makes your your job more difficult when that reputation is out there he fixed it. it it may have been something simple and mechanical it may have just been you know where he held the ball as contact was coming I wish Josh Allen could fix the fumbling issue but that's a story oh, for a different please, day oh please hallelujah <laughs> um also, I I want to I, I want to applaud Devin Singletary for being a good receiver out of the backfield. Now we saw a horrendous drop from him in the AFC Championship game, but that's not indicative of how good he is at catching the football. So you know that that's a strong a, a strong area of his game, and I think it makes him a very good third down back. But I I think that he is going to be a, a solid running back. He he may not be the bell cow kind of back that you see with uh, you know your boy from Tennessee there, but he's a guy who can come in, take carries. I see him being a very New England Patriots style back where depending on the offense they're running in a specific week, depending on the defense they're going up against on, on the game plan, you may see Singletary, you may see Moss. It's going to end up divvied up based on, on on what the game situation is going to look like. And I think you're going to see a lot more of the 1-1-A kind of thing. So I'm not ready to bury Singletary on the roster yet.
1: Yeah, Oh, me neither. I'm definitely not advocating for him plummeting down the chart. But I, I think that it's clear and it's evident that the Bills brass does not view Singletary as their bell cow back, the Derrick Henry, like you alluded to, the guy who's going to play every single down. And there's nothing wrong with that. In this day and age of the modern NFL, you, you can make an argument you need two, at least two, if not three, durable backs who can go out there. Um, the fact that Singletary is great in the blitz pickup is huge. The fact that he has gotten better at a receiver out of the backfield, he, I believe, had 38 catches on 50 targets, only one fumble Um, last year out of the backfield, he did have that big drop against Kansas city in the AFC championship game, like you mentioned earlier, but you know, he, he does a lot of things well enough to carve out a role, but you're right. He's never going to be the guy who starts and plays every single snap, um, as, as a running back, I will say, so the strengths we've talked about for Devin Singletary, the blitz protection, we've talked about that he's gotten much better as a pass catcher he's got really good vision and cutback Mm -hmm. ability. I would say those are probably his strongest traits as a runner. And those can make up for the fact that he does lack that first explosive step where, you know, these running backs have to be so quick to make a decision of whether to hit the hole or wait for something else to open up. So, Singletary is able to make up for that lack of explosiveness with his vision and cutting ability. But at the end of the day, I just don't necessarily know if that lack of explosiveness is enough to make him be that one a back, because again, you know, he's not someone who's going to go out there. Uh, He needs ample room around Mm -hmm. him. He needs ample space. He's not the guy who's going to create a lot out of nothing all the time. We've seen that that happened his rookie year. He did well with it those trends catch up with you. And to me, I feel like that's his biggest limitation uh, when it comes to toting the rock is that he's not able to find that explosive first step to create that distance to get those 10, 12, 20-yard runs. And,
2: and I think I like to refer to that as the gear shift. You see that in some running backs where they're going one speed. Next thing you know, they've, they're running 50% faster. And that's the kind of thing that really gives defenses fits. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the vision because that is something he does very well is he knows where all the players on the field are. And, you know, to a large degree, that's what made Thurman Thomas a great running back. Now, don't send me hate on Twitter saying that I'm (laughs) saying Devin Singletary is Thurman Thomas. That's not what I'm saying. But what what I am doing is comparing one specific skill set, which is the ability to see what's developing around you. He's very good at that, and uh, he's actually superior to Zach Moss when it comes to uh, hitting the, the proper hole, and that's something that shows up when you're looking at tape of the two of them.
1: Yeah, you, you got to give Singletary a lot of credit for, I think it was one of the, the the Rams game, he had a couple of carries where you look at him getting confronted with a lineman in the backfield, Right away. And he's got the narrowest of windows where he's able to squeak through, squeeze through, and create a couple of yards. But here's the thing as many elusive moves as Singletary can show, he always gets caught. Yeah. He always seems to get caught after making his spin move, after making his juke. And again, that to me is symptomatic of somebody who is not going to be that top running back on the depth chart. And that's what Zach Moss brings to the table. You know, I got to say, to me, Zach Moss is somebody who the Bills are going to be building their ground game around moving forward because, you know, he he functions in so many different areas. He's great at being a straight ahead runner who quickly sees where the hole is and attacks it. The first couple games of the year, I think he was getting his legs under mm-hmm. him and he was waiting to see how the holes open up and then he got hurt. And I think. That was a turning point for Zach during his rookie year because when he got hurt in week two, he had time to reflect. He had time to, I'm sure, look at the tape and see what he was doing differently compared to his standout career at Utah. And he came back as a much more north-south back Mm -hmm. who, when you've got a struggling offensive line, Jamie, the best thing you can do is be decisive with your movements and be decisive with how you attack the hole. And Zach did such a great job at that. I felt like a being that straight ahead, bruising running back who is not going to wait for You know, Deion Dawkins to open up a hole on the left side that's never there, he's going to take the three yard, the four yard, the five yard gain. And to me, that's really what the Bills need out of their bell cow back is somebody who is decisive, explosive, and powerful. And I think Moss is at least internally by far the best candidate to fill those qualifications.
2: I I agree with you. And one of the knocks on Moss coming out of college was that he tried to bounce too many runs to the outside and he just doesn't have the speed to do that. Um, uh, I, I agree with that and you're right. When he came back, he was far less likely to try to do that. And, you know, one of the reasons he averages fewer yards after contact than Devin Singletary is the way Moss goes about that contact. He gives it out. He punishes his tacklers. He said at the beginning of the year that he wants it to be a business decision that the defender makes as to whether or not they want to tackle him. And my God, he did it. He put his head on the, the, the chest of the tacklers so many times over the course of the season, just to say, Hey, you want to tackle me? You are the one who's going down. You may tackle me, but you're going down. And I love that running style. It's, it's very physical. It, now it takes a lot of pounding, and it could actually shorten his career. The career length of running backs tends to be short to begin with, but that is how you you win in the NFL is you out-physical the team. Now, I know it's become a, a finesse league, but you still have to be able to impose your will upon teams. And Zach Moss, he's that kind of player, and it's fun to watch. You're right. He is. He's a fun player throwback running back who
1: again yet I love the I love your use of business decision it kind of reminds me of anytime somebody would try to tackle like Brandon Jacobs running in the open field or Earl Campbell running down to do a throwback kind of name where if you want to bring him down okay you can do it but you're gonna pay the price and the back is going to enjoy delivering that punishing blow to the defender and I loved how much of a headache Zach was to bring for defenders to bring down in the open field he broke more tackles than Devin Singletary which is not a surprise because Devin's not that type who's going to shed tackles easily but Zach had I think 13 or 14 broken tackle runs in 2020 which is very respectable for being able to shed a defender and keep going with the run and gain more yardage than you're supposed to and that to me again is the type of back that the bills are going to build around and oh by the way Zach is making really good strides from what we saw from the first couple of weeks towards the end of the season at being both a pass catcher and being in good in pass protection so he's really closing the gap on two of the things that motor had over him When it came to being a better receiver and better in pass protection. Now, Singletary is still a better pass protector than Moss, but the gap is closing. And to me, again, this screams timeshare uh, for, for the running back situation in 2021, which is not a bad problem to have, especially with the fact that the Bills are going to bolster their offensive line. So I feel like, Jamie, the Bills have a, a, a situation ahead of them when it comes to the running back room. I think we both agree that Singletary and Moss have talent. Um, they they complement each other in ways that can prove to be a nice 1-1-A uh, situation in the backfield. Before we get to the, the rest of the running back depth, if you are Brandon Bean, if you're Sean McDermott, Jamie, are you thinking about, adding somebody to this running back room um, to complement what Singletary and Moss do, possibly through the draft or free agency? Or do you feel comfortable enough that Moss and Singletary can be those guys to carry the ground game?
2: Well, the way the Bills have constructed their roster on game days is to have two active running backs who get the ball and one special teamer. If I'm the Bills the way I'm looking to construct my roster is I'm looking to get cheaper wherever I can. Now, TJ Yeldon was the third running back on the Bills roster, inactive most of the time, playing for about the veteran minimum. I think that what I'm doing is bringing in competition at, at the position, but it's going to be rookies. Somebody I take at the end of the draft, some uh, undrafted free agents. And the reason for that is I'm looking to save money. And I don't want to invest in a veteran minimum contract because that's going to take me up to about a million dollars. I'd like to save $200,000. And we'll see how that goes.
1: Every penny counts when it comes to the salary cap being around $180 million uh, the Bills are going to have to get quite creative with their their record-keeping and their books to uh, to shed some money to make the relevant acquisitions they need to. I'm, I'm with you. I Look, I this is a separate topic that we'll get to before we wrap up the podcast, but I've heard a lot of people talking about turning to pick number 30 uh, to address the running back room, and I say simply no. Um, as great as Najee Harris has looked at Alabama, as great as Travis Etienne looked at Clemson, the Bills don't have the luxury of affording to use their first round pick at the running back room when they're not looking, in my opinion, to replace Moss and Singletary. They're looking to put them in better places to succeed by bolstering that offensive line. I would say there's no way in heck that I use a a first round pick. I would be more than comfortable, like you said, either getting in somebody on the cheap uh, to compete as that third run, because I don't think TJ Yeldon is going to be back in Buffalo. I I feel like his career is disappointing, not because anything he did or didn't do. I feel like the Bills never really gave him a chance um, to show what he could contribute. You know, I mean, in his two years with Buffalo, he never, he never saw a lot of action. I mean, the most he saw was in that AFC title game when he had, what, 60-plus all-purpose yards, uh, 10 yards a catch on four catches and five yards a carry on three runs. I almost feel like he's played his last downs in Buffalo. And just given the fact that, like you said, the Bills keep two active running backs and then a special team stud being Taiwan Jones, um, who I really hope the Bills resign because he has been such a godsend to Heath Farwell's special teams unit. Um, I don't think TJ Yeldon's back in Buffalo. Do you see any way that Yeldon comes back or do you think the Bills are going to move on and like you said, go for a more very low salary rookie or uh, prove it kind of guy to come in?
2: I would think that TJ Yeldon is good enough that he can probably join a team where he gets more carries. I think that the Bills are going to be hesitant to to give him more because he has had fumbling issues. And it's very clear that the Sean McDermott regime does not deal with fumbles unless it's Josh Allen. Um, But in that case, there's really not much they can do about it. Um, Yeah, TJ Yeldon probably not coming back. Um, Taiwan Jones, I I think they will bring him back because they, they love their special teams players. I just wish that Taiwan could offer more on... Uh, it could offer more on offense. But where I think you might see somebody is the guy who everybody fell in love with the last game of the season against the Miami Dolphins, that being Antonio Williams, who in 12 carries ran for 63 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Now, it was only 12 carries. People were ready to activate him for the playoffs at, at, at that point. And you know, we talked about it at the time, and you know, we said that if anything, the Bills are going to activate the veteran. But this offseason could be a big offseason for Antonio Williams, who even when he was in college, didn't get the rock very often. He he carried very few times. He was mostly a special teamer. But man, that physical running style had Bills fans really excited. And let's be honest, is there anybody More popular than a practice squad guy who has a semi good performance at any point in the season. I'm looking at you, Jake Kumaro.
1: (laughs) Jake Kumaro, Duke Williams. I mean, the the Bills have been littered with guys who, you know, they're, it's funny how, you know, and I guess we we talked about this on one of the earlier pods where, you know, for the longest time when the Bills had a, a a roster deplete of talent top to bottom. We always love to find those guys who are practice squad finds and, and 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 overhyped their accomplishments. I think there's something to be said for Antonio Williams. Um, definitely, he's definitely going to get a crack in 2021. He signed a reserves future contract uh, earlier in January, so he's coming back for very little money. I like what he showed. Here's what people need to realize: what Buffalo did to Miami. That week 17 game. I know that when Antonio came in, it was mop up time and the bills were still pretty far ahead. But the Dolphins still had most of their starters in on defense for a lot of Antonio's carries. And this was a defense for the Dolphins that I don't think gave up a hundred yard uh, ground game to an opposition back the entire season. And Antonio Williams comes in and shreds them. He showed such good burst. He showed great vision and power. And he showed that the little skidat where he's able to find a, you know, scat his way through Ooh, a hole. good word. Ski that let's, let's, let's patent that here. i Eve. believe skidat somebody yeah. who's got a good wiggle, if you will, to go through, you know, the hole out there. I think he's somebody who is very intriguing to watch when it comes to this running back room and how they're going to develop him. I'm, I still think the bills will draft somebody on day three to be competition, uh whether it's to supplant Williams or, Um, whether it's to replace TJ Yeldon, somebody to compete for that third running back role. But if if the Bills bring in Antonio Williams as their number three after a decent camp performance, I'm okay with that because I think I've seen enough so far where with how little money they've invested in him and with how little money the Bills have to spend in general, I think Williams is a really good worst case scenario to be your third running back.
2: Yeah, it could work out that way. But you know who it's not going to be? Talk about practice squad darlings. Somebody
1: from across the pond, I'm feeling.
2: Uh Uh-huh. It is not going to be Christian Wade, the rugby player who has been on the Bills practice squad the past two seasons. Now, he captured a lot of people's imaginations when uh, his first touch ever he takes the, the rock to the house. And it was so much fun seeing the Bills' sideline go nuts in that preseason game. And uh, he, he's done it twice, right? Yeah, I believe,
1: I believe he had one against Carolina, his first ever touch in the NFL. And I, I believe he did have a second one uh, out there as well. And and you're right. Every time we talk about the running backs, and especially when the Bills have not excelled in this area, people bring up Christian Wade and say, oh, the Bills got to give him a shot. The Bills got to give him a chance. Jamie, I'm here to agree with you. As great of an underdog story as he would be, he is just so raw and has so much to still learn about the position, especially when it comes, I mean, I I think he would get overwhelmed in blitz pickup, in pass protection, in running routes out of the backfield. I don't think there's any way he earns a spot on the 53, and I believe he's out of time to be that extra, um, member of the practice squad because of the, the, the features, um, the, the program that he was a part of. So I think he's either got to make the roster or he's going to get cut and I don't see him cracking the 53.
2: Yeah. And I feel for the guy because he obviously has all kinds of raw talent, but you know, he did not grow up playing football. He grew up playing rugby and they are inherently very different games. For example, in rugby, you cannot block for the player with the ball. You can't block. Whereas in football, if you have the ball, you have blockers in front of you and you have to know how to set them up. You have to, and like you said, the, the nuances of the position are, are are very different. You know, it's it's not catch the ball, run with the ball, um, see the player with the ball, tackle him. It's like you said, blitz pickup, pass patterns, Um, maybe he could be a special teamer, like maybe, maybe the thing that they need to do is put him in as a kick returner, but you know, the bills have a good kick returner already on the roster. So yeah, Christian Wade is a great story. And the, the exchange program that the NFL has with, you know, bringing foreign players in and then giving a a practice squad exemption is it's a good one. And, And I'm glad that they have it. I mean, he was a good rugby player across the pond as you said but I don't know if he can be a a good full-time player on a Bills roster that is competing for a Super Bowl if this were the 2008 Buffalo Bills I would say yeah go ahead put him on the field he can't be any worse than Shad Williams was <laughs> nice drop I mean out there's there. similar build <laughs> but you know even Shad Williams was a guy who was signed from the practice squad late in the season and he had a successful career as running back at Alabama. So, I don't know. I, I feel like it would probably take a few more years in order for Christian Wade to really understand the position. And he's already 29. It's just time isn't on his side at this point. And, and that makes me sad because... He seems like a guy that the team rallies around, doesn't he? Yeah, you know,
1: he definitely is. And he did. I watched a couple episodes where he would host um, like a, a Tim Hortons sponsored video segment uh, each week. He had Trey White on. He had Cole Beasley. He did interviews with a lot of Bill's players. And he just seems like a fun Loving guy, a really good personality, a good leader in the locker room, but the skills are too raw. And 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 unless it's interesting you bring up the special team's contributions because I want to segue real quick to both a combo about Wade and Taiwan Jones. I love me some Tywan Jones. He is such a special team stud. He contributes in all four phases um, as a gunner on both the kickoff and punt coverage teams. He's also pretty decent at. Punt returns and kickoff returns when need when need to, but he actually carries a pretty hefty salary for a guy who is a special team stud. I know he saw 62% of the snaps on special teams, but last year he got a one-year deal worth $1.75 million. That doesn't seem like a lot, but for a team that really needs to be very prudent with every penny that they're spending, I wonder if the Bills consider not re-signing Jones at that price and seeing if maybe they're able to get Christian Wade um, to do something when it comes to his return abilities because he does have good speed he does have good breakaway speed maybe he's able to develop into that kick returner uh, punt returner type of guy I might be speculating and 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 talking myself out of that scenario the more I hear it verbalized because I do love Taiwan Jones a lot but I guess my point is I don't know if Taiwan Jones if the Bills can afford to bring him back
2: if he's going to command 2 plus million. Maybe not. Um I mean we we could also consider Christian Wade as a gunner uh, potentially. I mean that that could be something that works out for him because obviously you have to tackle and he probably knows how to tackle. Um but you know I I'm with you. I love Taiwan Jones. It seems like paying that amount of money to a special teamer is a bit of a luxury, and he was only on a one-year deal. I'm willing to bet that there are going to be some quality special teams players that you can get on a minimum contract. Uh, I, I don't want to lose him because the, the Bills special teams was excellent this year, and the the roster additions of the likes of him and Tyler Metakiewicz, it made a difference. It, it really did. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, th- this is, this is a bigger conversation is special teams really a third of the game. Does Steve Tasker belong in the hall of fame? Have you yes? Have he you does. ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> I mean, these are all things we need to
1: talk about. The important life affirming questions here on bill leave. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do feel Steve Tasker deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. We should do a whole podcast uh, lauding praise on what he did for Buffalo uh, and those Super Bowl teams. But I, I agree. I think that Taiwan Jones is a luxury that the Bills right now are going to really have to think long and hard about whether they can and should spend those limited resources on the special teams game. Speaking of resources, Jamie, I want to real quick. Segue into. We talked about last week a couple of free agent quarterbacks the Bills could consider as their backup um, to Josh Allen should Matt Barkley not be retained. I've seen a lot of noise on social media that the Bills should go after a free agent running back. Um, there's a lot of names that are out there. I personally don't think it makes any sense to bring in a Le'Veon Bell or a James White or a James Connor type because they're going to get decent money. Um, On the open market, Pro Football Focus, who is a very polarizing resource, some people love them, some people can't stand uh, their analytics people uh, for what their opinions are, they projected the Buffalo Bills to sign Chris Carson for a three-year, $27 million contract with 15 guaranteed $10 fully guaranteed. If I'm Brandon Bean, I'm saying no way in hell am I spending that kind of money on a running back. What do you think about the Bills allocating scarce resources to free agent backs?
2: I'm one of the people who rather likes pro football focus. While it's a flawed system, it's the best we've got. It's really the only way we can quantitatively look at what's happening on the football field and make comparisons. That said, no, the Bills are not signing an expensive veteran running back. It's just, it's not what their offense is built for. They've spent two consecutive third round draft picks, which is a, a lot to spend on your running back position. Like I said before, what I see them doing, they're going to have an undrafted free agent or a rookie fill out the rest of the roster spots. They are not going to sign a veteran running back who's going to, who's going to earn multiple millions of dollars. They're not even going to sign a running back that would make three million dollars this upcoming season. Let alone a guy who's going to be guaranteed fifteen million over three years. Get the hell out of here!
1: Yeah, that guy I thought was smoking some of the wacky tobacco when he was putting out that projection out there. I thought that was a, a crazy label for the Bills to go after. So it's and-
2: yeah. And if you don't mind me saying, this is this is another case of people looking at the Bills' running game, saying it wasn't good enough. They must need a running back. And eh, segue. We'll be talking
1: about that in a couple of weeks. Bolstering the offensive line will be a very fun podcast for us to go to. So it seems like Jamie, we're in agreement. Um, like we we usually have some some pretty good opinions here that are somewhat shared where I, I like the bills backs uh, on the nature. I want Moss to take a larger role of the backfield. I still like Devin Singletary a lot and bring in somebody as a day two day three draft pick to compete with Antonio Williams for backs uh, for snaps out of the backfield and see what happens with the, with the running back situation. But the bills are not as devoid of talent Uh, At that position, as many fans would have you believe, especially on the wasteland known as social media. Jamie, it was a lot of fun breaking down the state of the backs with you here.
2: It was fun talking about it. And if I may say, I would like to see them add some more speed to the position to see what that could do. But, you know, I think going forward, the Bills are actually in a pretty good position, though, somewhere on the roster, on the offensive side, I want them to end up with a guy who can take the five yard swing pass and take it to the house because they're just that fast.
1: Yeah. It'd be great to have some speed out of the backfield for sure. And hope, but Hey, who knows? Hopefully the bills are, you know, they, we have to trust the process at this point of the Brandon being here. <laughs> Cause it got us to the AFC championship game this year. And, uh, Look at that. We spent 15 minutes talking about the running back room here on Bill Leave. We appreciate our fans checking out our State of the Bills offseason series, part two. If you have thoughts and perspectives on what the Bills should do with their running backs, please get involved with us on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our articles on Buffalo rumblings.com. We look forward to bringing you the state of the wide receivers uh, podcast coming up next week here on believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. <laughs>